What is PEMF? I get this question all the time. And so I'm going to throw it to you. What's PEMF? Yeah. PEMF is a process by which you take a series of, of uh, components in a device, put electricity in it, and when it comes through the coil, it generates a magnetic field. And we do this in a pulsing fashion. As far as we operate, PEMF is a high-voltage, low-frequency pulse that starts and stops. What PEMF does in a high-voltage sense is it penetrates the entire body. It makes the cellular membranes more permeable, allowing for better uptake of oxygen, better uptake of nutrients to the body. If you can improve the oxygenation in the blood flow, you can reduce inflammation. You can, once you reduce inflammation, you can relieve pain, setting the body up to be in a position to better heal itself. So basically we're creating a magnetic field to penetrate the body to improve overall cellular health. Hey there, I'm Mike. <laughs> and I'm Matt. And I'm Jody. I'm just like you, except maybe not as smart or as attractive, but you know what I mean? I've got questions, but I have an advantage. These guys are two of my best friends who also happen to be doctors who are obsessed with longevity and human performance. So I'm gonna ask them my questions. Things like, what's the best diet? How can I live longer and better? How can I get stronger and smarter? All the things you wonder and I wonder, and I'm gonna record them. I'll do the work and you reap the benefits. That was Pat Zemer, who's the founder of MagnaWave. He entered the PEMF industry in 2002, nearly 20 years ago. He started out in equine medicine. He's from here in Kentucky. Uh, they're based in Louisville. But he's transitioned to treating people, uh, which are basically small horses. What's, what's the difference, right? You just walk on two legs instead of four, a little bit smaller. Exactly. And uh, now he travels the world educating people on PEMF. And it's really a wealth of knowledge. And I wanted to talk to Pat today because... It, I, I was joking earlier about, uh, yeah, that's what I assumed it was. I had no idea what PEMF was not that long ago, but I started getting questions from patients who were really interested. And so I was embarrassed. I didn't know. So I started digging into the literature and was pretty impressed by kind of the wide range of things that, that it was good for. I didn't really understand the mechanisms in science, but the research was pretty impressive. It was interesting. And so I, I reached out to Pat. Uh, he let me borrow a device. Um, and like I mentioned, the first time I used it, I wasn't, I just wanted to get experience it because I liked the science on it. And I was shocked at the difference in sleep that night. I really wasn't expecting that. And to be honest, I assumed it was a coincidence. I'm kind of skeptical in general. That's a pretty poor study to just do it with the thousands of other things you're doing in the day. Who knows if that made the difference. Then a few days later, I did it again, had the same result. And it's been a pretty consistent result. I still don't understand exactly why. So maybe I want to dive into that. Is that a common thing you see, Pat, improvements in sleep for patients who are using a PEMF device? Basically, what we noticed at first was it was relaxing. Someone would be treated and, and they would just feel better. They would be relaxed, uh, which meant that that evening they may sleep better. Now, we really didn't put any weight behind that it just it just occurred and and w over time though we have learned that if you can and it and when you talk about using pmf for depression or pmf for headaches what we're what we're doing is improving the overall cellular health of the body which allows the body to be more comfortable if the body is more comfortable with less stress in the bloodstream and less stress on the body it only natural that would be able to sleep better yeah so let's take a step back so 
um, it's not FDA approved for sleep. Um, that's a weird thing to kind of get FDA approval for anyway, especially for a device like this. What does the science support enough that PEMF is FDA approved for? What types of treatments? Well, the first FDA approval of a PEMF device was for non-union fractures of the bone. They found that if you uh, treated the bone that was non-union, that it would just simply help the the growth patterns and the growth platelets to form where they needed to be and would help the process along that was not going anywhere without that. Uh, another application is incontinence in women. Uh, there are high voltage, low frequency devices uh, for that. They're very effective. They work very well for that. Uh, there is the transmagnetic stimulation, the TMS, TMS machines for depression, um, um, anxiety, um, um, what's it? Um, children with uh, autism, autism. Thank you. Uh, those types of situations, mandibular, uh, TMJ situations that that device is utilized for there. It's, there's an FDA approved device for, uh, lumbar, um, it's kind of like the non-union deal where after lumbar surgery to help the healing process there. So where am I? I've got uh, non-union, um, TMS devices, the incontinence, so the women, TMS, several others. So let me, let me back up on that, though. The TMS device, the transcranial magnetic stimulation, what is the difference? Is, the, is it the exact same thing? It's just the location of where you're doing it? Well, it is the location of where you're doing it, but uh, the FDA is a, is a funny, funny uh, organization. They are device, design, name specific. And so uh, someone took the, the high voltage, low frequency signal, uh, designed a machine. Actually, it's a seat that you sit in and it's got a thing that moves around your head and they aim into the area of, this, of the head or the brain where they think the stimulation is needed. And that's what they used for their studies to have the device approved. Regular PEMF in many cases can achieve the same type of result just by being used. Yeah, so I think that's important just to talk about this is FDA approved for several things because some people, in, especially in Western medicine who don't understand this, um, kind of equate it to crystals or things like that. And it's not. There's hard science behind this, especially the non-union, the urinary incontinence, um, all of those things you just mentioned. The next question, though, is just how it works. It, it, to me, it's fascinating that you would use it for autism and urinary incontinence, uh, non-union bone healing and depression. Correct. Uh, what is the mechanism? What are these magnetic fields that you're sending into your body? What are they doing to have these diverse effects? Well, it, oxygen, well oxygenated blood, I always say can work miracles. So if we can improve the, the blood health and the blood flow to the body, to where the body functions the way it's supposed to, the body wants to be healthy. The body wants to accept what the blood is providing, the oxygenation and so forth to the body. And so all I can say in a generalized sense is that what's happened, That's, that is what happens. We, we neutralize, we make this, the blood healthier, allowing it to better do its job means it can cover a lot of different areas. Yeah, when I started thinking about this, why it has these diverse positive effects, the first thing that came to my mind is, is adaptogens in, in medicine. So things like shaga, CBD, ashwagandha that have kind of diverse effects and they just kind of help the body maintain homeostasis and just operate better. Is that a fair comparison? This Very is a, much. If we can, a if mechanical we can, form of that. Yes. If we can improve the body's homeostasis, we can improve the body's ability to be healthy. 
So uh, I noticed a difference in sleep for me. I didn't really have any other ailments I was trying to ailments that I was trying to work on, but I noticed the sleep. Is that a common thing that patients report? Yes. What are other kind of anecdotal things that you see because you have a ton of experience with this? Not necessarily the FDA approved, but any other specific modalities? Well, it is certainly um, r- range of motion improvement is almost an instantaneous. Uh, relief of pain is depending on the type of device pretty much instantaneous. And so if that's answering your question, there's many different things that occur. And we did all this with racehorses. Originally, it was help my horse run faster, help my horse perform better in this race. Then over time, it became help my horse recover from this race. Can you do that? Yes, we can do that. And it's really more of a recovery device than it is an enhancement device, but everybody used it to improve their performance. And we do that today with NFL players, athletes to improve their performance, how they feel, their stamina, treat the lungs you're going to open up the lungs and have better uh depth of ability to move forward they came over and talked to me from dubai a few years ago and i was in in dubai uh with the sheiks and their camels and treating their camels and some group a group came over and said the sheiks beating us all the time what do we need to do can you make my camels run faster and i said no i can't make your camels run faster but i can help your camels run fast longer and that's the key yeah, I mean, since I've started using this, I now run a three fifty miles. So it's uh, yeah, it's impressive stuff. No, no I'm just kidding. My, my performance <laughs> I was going to say, my goodness, are way behind me. But it, but it's interesting you mentioned those things. I have started using this in patients uh, now, and I have we had a patient with low back pain that was refractory to just about anything else. Um, I said, look, I have no idea if this will work. It's not FDA approved for that. I, I don't have a lot of experience with this yet, but you're welcome to try it out. I don't think it's going to hurt you. And the next day I got an email and she was amazed at how much better she felt. She was, is unexpected as well. She's in the medical profession. I don't think she really necessarily believed in it uh, so much, but had a really good outcome. And same thing with, I've had a few patients with uh, shoulder injuries. She sure. reported um, improved range of motion, just like you mentioned. Um, uh, some other people uh, who have let this try out also. The, the interesting thing about our patients, all our patients have an aura ring and they track their sleep. Mm-hmm. So it's not just, we say we feel like we slept better. We can actually look at the data right. and it's been really interesting. I've had multiple people now have real improvements in their data and their deep sleep specifically, which is one of the most important things to us. So we've seen some of those in just the limited experience that we have. Uh, that, that, that's pretty interesting. So your device is a high power, high frequency device. It is a, a, it is a high power, low frequency, high power, low frequency device. Okay. So let's talk about the differences. What are the different combinations of power and frequency and why does it matter? Well, basically in the world today with PMF devices, there are low power, low frequency devices and high power, low frequency devices. For years, uh, the high power stuff was in Europe. PMF therapy in Europe and around the world is a more recognized readily used therapy in the United States because the AMA took massage, acupuncture, electromedicine, and all this stuff out of the practice of medicine in the United States. We have to reestablish ourselves or these other modalities have to reestablish themselves in the United States. So that's kind of where it is uh, from that uh, perspective. Yeah, it's a, it's a sad state of affairs in America. All of those things that we know work, that we just see the anecdotal reports and it just makes sense that it does and other places use it that we've just kind of eliminated them. It really, it, I'm so glad that many more people are taking a holistic approach and utilizing all of those modalities here, whether or not the establishment uh, looks at it favorably or not. So low power, low frequency, oh, that's consumer devices. Yours is high power, low frequency. What is the difference in those? Why does it matter? Do they both work or? 
They both work just fine. The difference is low power, low frequency takes longer. The treatment times might be an hour a day, every day. Uh, with high power devices, you can treat yourself in 10 or 15 minutes and you can get to a point that you do it once a week or twice a week, whatever, whatever the situation may be. So, uh, when I first started with, with racehorses and in the PMF world, I was in the low power area and I, and my blankets and the devices that we sold would relax the horses, would help the healing process along, but it was slow. And our challenge was getting people to use them because they labor is an issue. And so someone doing this every day, that type situation, when I discovered the high power and took the high power to the, to the animals and to the people, I got people, I had to treat the owners or the riders before they let them, they let me treat their horses, but we would treat a horse and they would get on and come back and it was better immediately. So that's the difference between the high and low power. Why high would someone use a low power device? Is it just cost? Cost is part of it. Understanding is part of it. What is out there, what has been used over the years. Uh, there's many different automobiles out there and they'll all get you to the same place. Just maybe not as comfortable, not as fast, not as safe, whatever the situation may be. I'm not saying that low power devices aren't safe. I didn't mean to bring that term into it, but they're, they're there. They work fine. They're slower. So what is the difference in cost from a low power device versus a high power device like you have? Well, you can buy low power devices and I, uh, Dr. Bob Dennis with the NASA study has a low power device that he markets that we have sold as well. Uh, that is low power. And when I tore, tore my meniscus, uh, in my knee, I would use the high power device to quickly get rid of the pain. Then I'd wear his device all day long to keep things in check. Mm. So there are basis. There is a basis to use them. And again, it's price. His, his is under $600, I believe. And then there are, uh, there's plenty of devices in that, in that range that, that if someone has the time to use them every day, to use them on their knee every day, they work fine. But people, as we've learned, people want instantaneous results, instant gratification. And so the high power devices give you a quicker, more instant gratification. Now, in the world of studies, most of the studies that are out there today have been done with low power devices. Mm -hmm. And everybody leans on those studies for, as far as efficacy, that it works, that it provides results. There are a few studies done and there are more being done now, currently, currently in process, using high power devices to show that they work just as well and faster than the low power devices. Now, anytime I hear something works more quickly, I assume with higher efficacy, there comes uh, some trade-offs with that. Are there safety concerns? Is it more dangerous? That's the first place that my head goes to. If this is a high power device and I'm going to get benefit, what am I paying for that? Really, is there, there is no, there is no difference. The, the, the challenge is, is in the cost, the cost of the devices mm -hmm. to, now there are some very popular low power devices that are on the market today in the $6,000 price range. And I shake my head and, or I scratch my head and think, why would someone buy a low power when they can buy a high power for the same amount of money and achieve the results more rapidly? But that's neither, that's neither here nor there. People do what they, what they want to do. But the, the, that's the primary difference between the two is speed. But is there danger? No. It's very difficult. If I put a high power device on your shoulder and I turned it up too high, you're not going to let it stay there. You're going to mm -hmm. tell me to turn it down or take it off. A horse will do the same thing or a dog will do the same thing. If it's too much, they move away. So it's very difficult to supply too much energy. If I tied you down or had you asleep 
drugged, if you will, you know, knocked out, and then I put it on your shoulder and I pounded it like they do with, uh, they don't knock you out to do shockwave, but shockwave is much more intense than PEMF is. And so it, it, the danger is, is virtually not there. So is that dangerous though? If someone has an extreme pain tolerance, they can't feel pain, for example, can your device or a regular consumer device or device on the market can there be too much power? What damage could be done? Well, damage, it, I equate it to a, um, uh, a deep massage, a deep tissue massage. When you receive that massage, you're sore typically the next day or immediately after the massage. We can do the same thing. I can stimulate your arm to where you get up and it's sore. Tomorrow, it'll feel wonderful. Mm-hmm. Or, or even better for a period of time. But we don't need to make you sore to make you better. Could someone use this and, uh, and put too much power into where someone is sore immediately after using it? Yes, which could happen with, with anything. Yeah, I mean, exercise, you know, it's good for us, but if you do too much, you harm yourself. So is it similar with this? I mean, and I, I hate to pound you on the safety question, but that's the first question in my mind. That's right. the biggest thing before we talk about efficacy. Is it safe? So um, what are there? Are there any studies on the actual risk? What would happen if what would happen if you did tie someone down, <laughs> sedate them and give them too much power too long? Well, you would fatigue the cells. You would fatigue the muscle. Are you going to kill the muscle? No. Are you going to, you know, make someone debilitator in, in, a, in, a, in a situation that this is permanent? Not that anyone has experienced you know, we are, these devices do fall under what we call compliance guidance of the FDA. If someone reports someone is doing something, hurting someone or something, the FDA has perfect, or the Federal Trade Commission has perfect reason to come in and shut them down and to make them not do it. There have been no complaints to date that anyone's aware of. And so, um, in theory, yes, you could overstimulate someone's shoulder to where it's sore for a day or two before it really gets the result like a deep tissue massage or a shockwave application. But as a, as a rule, is that permanent? No. Is that something that is dangerous to their life or health? No. Yeah. So in my reading of this, it seems just so low risk. And um, I, I, I've been very happy with the level of uh, efficacy versus safety of this. It's very impressive. One area that I was just a little concerned about, I'd love to, not based on any science, but just uh, just thinking about it in general. When I've had this, for example, on my back, occasionally I've kind of sneaked it up to my to my head level. Um, but that makes me a little more nervous. What is happening with the brain? I know we're using this in depression or autism, but does it need to be very specific on the location or can you do general PMF? Can I lay down and put my head on one of the mats and turn it on What's the risk and what's the benefit? The benefit is improved circulation in the brain, reduction of inflammation in the brain, which is tied to Alzheimer's, tied to depression, tied to a lot of, lot of situations. So you can basically normalize the blood flow in the brain, in the brain, uh, the oxygenation, allowing for better health in the brain, relaxation certainly, headache reduction certainly. Uh, but with the brain, with the head, you're certainly not going to turn it as high as you are on your shoulder or your knee because the brain is enclosed. When you're mm-hmm. pulsing the brain, you know, it, it, could there be, it, it was there, with some studies or efficacy, the, the level of power that you would apply to the brain? Absolutely. That you need to be very careful in that regard. Discomfort. You don't want to mm-hmm. pound somebody's pulsing so much that it becomes a headache or a potential issue. But again, there's been no 
reported problems from those type of applications. And we treat the brain all the time for relaxation, for headaches, for depression. Uh, so as long as it's comfortable, there's as no As long risk as it's comfortable. Comfort, comfort is the key. Yeah. And, and okay. that's what we talk about with our devices. You don't want to make someone uncomfortable. We want to keep them comfortable. Comfort is the key. The low power devices, comfort is not an issue. You just put it on. You can't feel it. You got to do it for an hour every day. And then you get the result that you're looking for over a period of time. So the biggest risk is you just get too smart. Correct. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Which is, I get a lot of patients that are uh, so smart and push me. That's a risk for me. If I don't this mount is good, a whole smart. lot more would be better, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, so EMF, that's in the acronym PEMF, electromagnetic fields. We all know that's bad. There's a lot of press about that. So what's the difference in bad EMFs and PEMF, which we're, we've already talked about how good it is. Well, basically, we cannot avoid the EMF that's out there today. The high power lines, our telephones, microwaves, computers. And to, for a simple description, those are continuous signals. They don't stop. And, and they are at very high frequencies, which are not good for the body. That's The body doesn't operate at those high frequencies. 7.4, whatever the Schumann resonance is, the body is very comfortable operating in those in those types of areas so we have this so the, the best way to do it is to avoid it well we can't avoid it so there are crystals there are nutrients there are things you can do to kind of neutralize these the situation in the body so the difference between PEMF and EMF is that we basically have signals that are very low frequency that tend to normalize the body and neutralize that type situation. So to use, you know, an anecdote, if you will, to chickenpox, we, we have an uh, uh, injection vaccine for chickenpox, which basically is chickenpox, but Mm -hmm. the body builds up a resistance. And so we don't get chickenpox. Well, we're doing the same kind of thing. We have all this stuff bombarding the body, but we're using the same magnetic type of energy to help clean the body. And that's what we're gotcha. doing. So low frequency, the, the frequency is a big difference. And then the obvious difference in PEMF and EMF is the P, the pulse part. How important is the pulse part versus continuous? Well, even the low power devices talk about the pulse. They are sine waves and they're continual signals, but they are, they are up and down. And so that's where the pulse comes from. In the high voltage world, it's the, it's the pulse that starts and stops the very quick decline in the signal that actually allows the cellular membrane to come more permeable and take on oxygen. A lot of the lower power devices massage the cells, help them be healthier from that perspective. So we're massaging as opposed to to basically allowing the blood to better enter or the proteins to get in or the toxins to, to leave. So in, in that pulse, tell me if I'm misunderstanding this, but part of the, my understanding of it was the anions and cations within the cell, the positive charges and negative charges are kind of moving back and forth. And Correct. That's, that's what makes the cell membrane more permeable. Correct. Improved oxygenation, Correct. more detox and getting the waste out. Okay, great. So that brings up the question, and does PEMF negate or mitigate those harmful effects from other EMFs and dirty electricity, Wi-Fi, radiation, all those things? Basically, as I've said earlier, we're optimizing the health of the cell to deal with the things that don't need to be there mm-hmm. and, and the, the, the negative ions and the things caused by the high frequencies. Our power lines are designed to work in 50 to 60 hertz. And people are receiving from these power lines and all this stuff, thousands of hertz. 
into the body. So basically, we want to normalize the body and help neutralize those things with the pulsed signals. A lot of people are really into grounding and earthing. I mean, we know the benefits of that. Is PEMF related to that at all? Is um, is this PEMF just kind of grounding and earthing on steroids? You talked about the Schumann kind of resonance frequency of the, the earth. Um, how are they kind of related, PEMF well, and grounding? In essence, um, the, the earth's magnetic field is decreasing, but the Schumann resonance is what we talk about. And, and the bo- that's necessary for the body to live. If you take that away, we die. I mean, it's just that simple. If we take away the magnetic field, we die. And, and so what this does, and a, a perfect example, uh, earthing on steroids is, is a perfect example. Yes, we are helping you be earthed. We all wear rubber-soled shoes or drive around in cars with rubber wheels, you know, rubber tires. And so we're not getting the grounding that we need. Can someone go ground themselves every day for three or four hours and maybe get the same results as a low-power machine? I would think that that could be the case, although large power machines are acting or operating at more Gauss level and putting more energy in. Why do we take vitamins? We can get vitamins from the sun, but we still take vitamin D. And, and we, you know, we want to do those things to enhance what's available to us. So, yeah, it's, it's, the, it's the earth on steroids to help us be healthier more rapidly. So if you were walking around barefoot all day, sleeping on the ground, there'd be less of a need for this in general. Uh, but this is a kind of Probably a technological so. shortcut Probably in so. general. So, yeah. okay. So that kind of uh, earthing on steroids is a fair statement. Yes, there. it is. Okay, great. Um, let's talk about devices specifically. Uh, consumers, I mean, do I get questions of patients that ask me about the Beamer device. Uh, multiple different devices are out there for consumers. What's the difference in, in prices and what should be used for consumers versus in a clinic, clinical scenario where we're really trying to treat something like autism, depression, non-union, those things. Well, it it depends what someone's need is. If their need is to sleep better, then then a sleeping mat or a a low-power device can help that immediately. And they would sleep on that and leave that on. They can sleep on it and leave it on, Mm -hmm. exactly, which I have a device that we we have that I sleep on every night, and there's a whole story behind that. But Is that a high-power device you just turn the power down on? It is a, it's a high-power device from the standpoint that it is a start and stop signal. It is what Mm -hmm. we call a ringer, and a ringer is a starting and stop signal that reverberates Mm -hmm. through the, through the system, like a, like a, throw a rock in the lake and you get the ripples. Um, but it is a high power device from that perspective. And it, it generates as far as power, many of the lower power devices, and I'm not calling names, but some of the, the beamers and some of the other uses are very good, but beamer there is a low power device. The beamer is a low power okay. device operates in the, at a top range of maybe 35 to 50 gauss of energy delivered to the body. Whereas our lowest power device generates 500 gauss to the body so we're 15 times stronger or so than some of the low power devices that are there which will again allow you to feel it allow you to feel my low power device you don't feel it immediately but if you were to lay on it on your back after a few minutes you're going to feel a tingling mm-hmm. very definite tingling in in your back where it's trying to, where it's doing its job if you will so uh the the it depends what your need is if you've got a torn meniscus personally, or you have a knee replacement personally, will a low power device provide you some comfort to the knee and help it heal? Absolutely. Will it do it today, right now that you're able to move a little better? No. 
it's going to take repetition of time. So that's the primary difference. Price-wise, there's a lot of very low-power units out there. There are some low-power units that you can buy for 500 bucks, 600 bucks. You can buy full body mat type of units for $1,000, $2,000. You get into the, the QRSs and the Beamers and those pieces of equipment, you're up in the four, five, six thousand $6,000 range. Our lowest power, high-power device is uh, $3,900. Our, our more powerful what we call lower power is $6,000, $7,000. So there's a lot of things in there that can be used so easily. Just to, uh, for clarification sake, a couple times you've, you've used the word voltage. You're using the words voltage and power interchangeably, correct? Mm -hmm. You say high voltage is high. Mm -hmm. Okay, great. Now, see if this is a fair statement, a summary. Someone could probably do maintenance with a low-power device just fine. But Absolutely. for a clinical treatment and scenario where you're really trying to make a big difference quickly, a high-power device is probably what to go with. Absolutely. So someone could, for example, uh, go to places and get clinical treatment occasionally and pay for a high-power treatment but then have a low-power device at home. And that would be a, a pretty good scenario for Absolutely. treatment and maintenance. Absolutely. Yeah. So... What about the price on the high-power device? You said that the $3,900 price is a high-power device? Mm -hmm. Okay, so you can get high-power in those kind of ranges. Correct. And then you can go all the way up to $30,000. Why, why in the world would you ever buy a $20,000 machine over the $3,900 high-power machine? It, it, the short answer to that, for years, that was all that was available in high-power devices. There was only one or two devices out there. They generated high power. They were used for athletes, people that needed to help their knees or their ankles right now type of situations, the, the whole equine world. So that was all that was there. And, and over time, we've been able to change the technology to where we can generate that type of start and stop signal uh, to produce the quicker results as the high power units do. So only depending on their needs. Gotcha. Okay. So, but you, can you think of a specific scenario where the $3,900 device would not get the job done? Now, I know you sell more expensive devices. No, so but no, the, 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 the $3,900 device can, can flat get the job done. Again, it's more time consuming. For example. Well, why is that? But it, you said it's high powered. But it's high power. It's only delivering 500 gauss okay. compared to 50 gauss of some low power units compared to 10,000 gauss of the higher powered units. So it depends where you need to be. In, in my situation, having had a prostate scare and biopsies and on whole nine yards, I sleep on it every night to, to keep my prostate in good shape, to not have inflammation, to have good flow, so on and so forth. And I can tell, I'm 70 years old, I can tell if I'm not on it for three or four days, all of a sudden things start age related things start showing up. So I choose to do it every night. Now, could I do that same thing on a very low power device? Probably so. I don't have a very low power device. So I use our lowest power device. I had a neuropathy situation. So I, what I do, I'd love to have a video of it, but you know, part of the night I'm, it's under my buttocks for my prostate and hips. Part of the night, I've got it under my, my feet or on top of it for my potential neuropathy type of thing. Now I've noticed that if I use it and I've got a paddle that I'll put under my pillow, my cognition is better. My, my 
brain stability and, and, and uh, remembering things is better when I do that than when I don't do that. Mm-hmm. So, all right, just to really go back and, and really push on you about this a little bit, we have some people that just want the best device. So they're going to look at the different devices and they're going to think the $20,000 device is a lot better than the 3900 But technically, is there, are they getting anything more? I don't think, I didn't feel like I really... They're getting under- speed. So, but they're you're getting still getting 500 Gauss with a $3,900 machine, correct? Mm-hmm. Is there a difference in the 500 Gauss versus the, the next machine? Is it delivering more power? It's delivering more power, more yeah. energy to the body. And so <laughs> that's a great question. And, and the, the low power companies say you don't need the high power. Mm-hmm. Well, the high power delivers speed. That, that, that's really it. Delivers speed, uh, which people want. People want to be healed more rapidly. Or they want their health to be maintained. And they and bottom line, people like to feel what's going on. Yeah. I can feel it working on my shoulder. I'm happier than if I don't feel it working on my shoulder. But you can feel the 500 gauss, correct? That you can power. feel it. it. It's not that you feel it with each signal. You feel it after it's been there for a little bit and it's got things going on. You'll start to feel a tingling. Okay. You can hear it for sure. You can hear the click, 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 click. So the device that I've been using, how many gauss when I turn it all the way up? When you turn it all the way up with the paddle, if you're Uh using the paddle attachment, you're going to get up to uh, uh, 3,000 gauss. What about the mat? If you're using the mat, you're going to be in the uh, 1,000, 1,500 gauss area. And so if I have it half the dial halfway, it's just half? Is Is it that straightforward? Correct. Okay. All right. Great. So half of that, that would be the maximal power I'd get with the uh, 39. Okay. Gotcha. All right. So there is a clear difference in that. I can feel that. Okay. That makes sense. So, all right. Uh, that, that answers the question a little bit. So just for those of you listening, when I turn it halfway versus all the way up, that's a big difference in power. And when I've been doing this on my shoulder, which I have some problems with, uh, I definitely want the much higher, higher power. It just feels like it's working. And you'll get relief immediately or almost immediately. Gotcha. Okay. All right. I appreciate that. Thank you. Um, talk to me about sleep. Are there any actual clinical studies? Um, and is there anything, any reason this is working more for sleep other than just what we've already talked about? It's just making cells work better, increased oxygenation, anything else with sleep? I can't say that there's been a specific study for sleep. Um, uh, because as you've said, I mean, it, it, sleep, deprivation is not necessarily a disease and people do studies looking for solutions to disease and, and illness. Uh, now sleep deprivation, as we know, can cause the onset of disease because of stress and so on and so forth. But, um, I, I need to look and see as far as sleep studies, most of the studies are done in the area, like I say, of, of diseases. Gotcha. And I sent some questions. I asked a few people that are very interested in this to send me some questions. I have a couple here. So um, bear with me here. One of the questions I've sent in is, are there any cellular or clinical studies that suggest synergy between PEMF and CBD or cannabinoids? Okay. The body has a cannabinoid system that we typically are, are, are fed and enhanced with vegetables, asparagus, uh, uh in various vegetables uh, like that and to help support the cannabinoid system. CBD also supports the cannabinoid system just as uh, uh, vitamins will help support the vitamin deficiencies in the body. Now, if we can improve the blood oxygenation and the uptake of the nutrients to the body and the CBD and the cannabinoids and what they'll do with PEMF, then we can enhance potentially the results of the CBD in the body. 
So what I just heard you say, and correct me if I'm wrong, but you're talking about the enhanced delivery. Would that apply then to any medication or vitamin or supplement that you're going to improve delivery of that if you're using PMF kind of the same day? You that take, is correct. You take it? Okay. That is correct. And and to that end, to be to to talk cor- correctly, I think what we do in many scenarios, if someone is taking a medication, our advice is take the medication, let it assimilate, let it be metabolized, then treat to 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 enhance what's going on in the body. But if you wanted to have an enhanced delivery, for example, if you rubbed it on your skin and put a coil on your skin, you're going to get better topical delivery under the skin by virtue of the pulsing and pushing it into the body. So it'll do the same thing as far as typical, typical metabolization of, of whatever you're taking. So a cream, uh, a, a topical CBD, if you place that on and then did the PEMF, you're saying better delivery. Works great. I do it all the time. Now, a question about that, though, just I'd like to clarify. Are there actual studies showing that, or are you saying the mechanisms make sense? The mechanisms make sense. Uh, Studies in the CBD world are just now beginning in terms of how it's going to be used. The FDA is working on a whole deal. Can we call it CBD or we have to call it hemp? Uh, Where is cannabis legalized and where it isn't? So the whole verbiage, the whole way it's going to be discussed, we feel, and I have some involvement with CBD, but we feel that what's going to happen is the FDA is going to limit CBD or the cannabinoids to big pharma to be able to isolate specific cannabinoids for specific indications. Whereas the hemp world is like an aspirin or like a generalized vitamin, if you will. Mm -hmm. Okay. Gotcha. That makes sense. What, what about um, PEMF and far infrared therapy? Uh, any studies showing that those can have synergy? Most certainly. PEMF is a very complementary uh, modality. Uh, we use it, in, well, for example, around the world, our devices and MagnaWave type of devices are used in cancer clinics for tumor reduction. In association, a lot of cancer clinics around the world, not so much in the U.S. because they do things a little differently, are using far infrared therapy. Uh, Hope for Cancer uses far infrared therapy and MagnaWave technology for their clients with cancer all the time, daily. It's part of their daily regimen. So what do you most excited about in the future with PEMF? What kind of, are there any ongoing studies that you think are really going to be revolutionary? Well, I, I think the, the study that, that MagnaWave is conducting with the University of Colorado on concussion um, issues, uh, it, we're excited to see where that's going to, to measure the brain activity after the injury and the brain health and the brain age is something they look at in the healing process of that. So that's exciting because concussions are a big deal and we're ongoing with that study at this point. Uh, other studies that are occurring, certainly there's a lot of studies that have been done. We have done four studies ourselves on lumbar, knee, uh, incontinence, uh, prostate issues that we have the results from those studies and some of them are published in the United States. Uh, we're doing three studies currently for um, um, osteoarthritis at the University of Miami, uh, venous wound healing, open wound healing at the University of Henry Ford Hospital in Detroit, and the um, in, in the California v- v- Los Angeles Veterans Hospital for bed sores. Uh, 
And, and so if we can make some inroads there with specific indications, much like the incontinence of the other things, then there's a lot of horizon out there for where the PMF can be taken and grow to a mainline medicine once again, or a mainline use in the United States. We're excited about that. Mm -hmm. When I first started, uh, there were only three or four machines east of the Mississippi river. Mm-hmm. And and there weren't many manufacturers in the country. Today, there's a lot of competition. Some of it we created, but that's okay. It, there's there, The world is huge on what we can do in the United States. So we're excited that more and more people every day are experimenting with this and experiencing it and seeing if it will help them. We're not saying it's the end all, but it is an opportunity for people to maybe get something that they don't get. And that's what I did for doctors for years. I'd go to their clinic and they'd say, well, I don't need to do this. I don't need to do that. And I'd say, how many of your patients can you not help? Uh, 10 to 15% we, we have that we don't do anything for. Let's try it on those people. And we were able to help 40 to 50% of those people. Not all of them. Some of them are just got such chronic things going on or they don't do anything on the outside to help what we're trying to do on the inside, you know, diet, lifestyle, whatever they're doing. And so uh, that's where I, that was my inroad. I had to look for, to find that little space. Today, there's thousands of machines when I started just 12 years ago with the high power stuff, 12 or years ago. So there weren't hardly any at all. Well, I tell you, I'm excited about it. I, I look at this as I think the science is good enough. Uh, but combining that good enough science with my personal experience now Mm -hmm. I've had with it and my experience with my patients, I really think this is a treatment that just has such a low risk and potentially high benefit for some people that I'm really excited to be able to apply this more. And we've been really trying with a lot of patients and having really good success. Now, a lot of people are going to want to know how they can start doing this. And we have no financial relationship with you all at MagnaWave or any other PEMF company. So I, I appreciate you making this educational like you've done and not a sales pitch, but when people do want to know what to buy, how to get into this, what would be your general recommendations? I mean, in general, I'll tell you what I tell people. I tell them, find somewhere where you can go try it out and just pay however much that costs. It's usually like a dollar a minute or something like that. Correct. Somewhere and see if it works for you before investing. If it does work for you and you get noticeable difference in pain or your sleep score or something that you can measure, go for it. So, but those patients who didn't want to go for it, how do they decide there's so many devices on the market? What advice would you have? Recognizing that you own a company, so you'll be a little. Well, yeah, but I mean, the bottom line is, someone can. You know, so, someone here's what happens: someone does some research and they see some. They see a hertz, or they see an intensity, or they see a frequency number discussed, and they they overeducate themselves to where they start asking all of these questions, and basically all these devices are doing the same thing. So don't don't overthink it try it. And, and that's what, that's what I recommend. I mean, there, there's a, an organization called the association of PEMF professionals. It's a pemfprofessionals.com and the goal, and we're a founding member of that organization. The goal of that organization is to kind of help standardize what's being discussed mm-hmm. in, in, as far as marketing and things like that are concerned, where people can go get treatments. There's a map there that shows practitioners, not only MagnaWave practitioners, but other practitioners all over the, all over the country and, and, or, they can go to the MagnaWave website and there's a place there where you can find, click, find a treatment and it'll put you in contact with a practitioner in your area to get a treatment. And that's what I recommend. Just as you said, try it and see what it'll do. So there are places they can go for research and, or they can go find practitioners. What mistakes would people make though? Because in my mind, you tell me if I'm wrong here, but I hear about like um, a high power device that costs $3,900, but then a very highly marketed devices, low power that cost five or $6,000. That's an obvious mistake, correct? Or are there, 
I don't, I don't want to throw any companies uh, under the bus or anything like that, but you, why would you not, um, why would you not go for something that's going to potentially give you a more rapid response? Unless you really like the color of the other machine. Exactly. Right? Okay. Exactly. You know, Elon Musk's, and I'm not a, trying to say this, but it, at my age, at 70 years old, if I'm going to go buy a new car, why don't I buy a car that's going to basically help drive me down the road? <laughs> right. Okay. And, and I don't, I don't, as I age, I don't need something that's not going to protect me and drive me down the road if it can. So if someone can afford it and they're going to get a high power device, what mistakes can you make purchasing a high power device? What you want to look for and is people always ask me what sets you apart. To me, it's family. You want to find somebody that you can call on the phone and ask a question. You want to find somebody that's got enough education that will answer your questions that you can either do it online or chat box, whatever that happens to be to get your questions answered. There's a lot of, a lot of places that, that people aren't crossing those T's and dotting those I's. Uh, so it's, you, you want to watch, you don't buy specifically on price. Mm-hmm. buy on who you're comfortable with and who will be there to support you. That's the main thing. So are you, so would it be a fair advice to say, be a little bit annoying before you buy, call them a few times. Absolutely. Questions Absolutely. And- <laughs> Get your yeah. questions answered and, and you can tell, I mean, you and I have been around a long time doing this. You can tell when someone is not, they're trying to sell you something as opposed to educating you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and our whole goal is to educate. I'm not trying to sell my deal, but our whole goal is to educate that people are happy with what they're getting. Yeah, well, I'll, I'll uh, just say with you guys, I reached out to you because um, I read the research, but I wanted to talk to people we've been doing it a while. And um, you all showed up with three people uh, to talk to me about it and to really show. So I was impressed by that. So I appreciated that. So find someone who will educate you and do a little bit of the work on the front end. If they're not going to do it on the front end, they're definitely not going to do it on the back end after you've already purchased. And you want it on the back end because you're going to have questions. You're you're buying it for your low back, but what about your mother Mm -hmm. and her Alzheimer's or what about this? And, And so when you have those questions, you need some places you can get the answers. Yeah, and you've told me some fascinating things just about stroke patients, uh, and, and we know blood flow is an issue with Alzheimer's. Um, there's some really, and I don't want to go deep into those things just because um, I don't know if the science is quite there, but it makes sense. And well, let me just ask you for uh, patients in those situations, those high risk, um, very devastating situations. What risk is there for those patients to trying this? None. Okay. No so risk. Pretty quick, straightforward answer. I can't, I've been in all of those situations, a couple of them personally with, with prostate issues. Mm -hmm. Everybody in my family's had prostate surgery. Uh, I haven't, I had a scare. Uh, I used my equipment daily when they did the biopsy, it was dead and benign. I'm four years clean at this point. And, and so, and, but I treat myself all the time. Mm-hmm. So there's really not a risk. I can't think of, uh, we've had patients come to us with, with cancerous situations with a week to live and literally with a week to live. Can you help me? I don't know. I don't think so. But we put them on the devices and they were more comfortable. They lived eight or nine months and it was metastasized through the whole body. So they got a longer period of comfort than they would have experienced when they walked in the door. I mean, they hadn't eaten for, this woman had not eaten for four or five days and, and was, was, but she lived eight months, went on a cruise, saw her daughter get married, watched her visible tumor count drop from 400, excuse me, 200 to 40. Mm-hmm. One thing you mentioned to me just reminded me, uh, you mentioned the prostate. You, you also said that you have uh, uh, older patients who may have some erectile dysfunction frequently, not want to give them machine back because they're getting some good results with that. Is that 
that a fair that statement. is correct. I remember that. That is correct. Yeah, it helps the nitric oxide, oxide build up in the body. It supports mm-hmm. that with better oxygenation. I mean, it all comes back to oxygenation and blood flow. Sure. Yeah. No, it makes sense. And we're, we're a gains wave provider at Wild Health. We have a device and I'm just such a big fan of uh, a non-pharmacologic treatment when we could do it, when we can treat the, the root cause and increase blood flow um, with a mechanical thing like a, this, this pulse wave, that, that's a really big win. So that would be an interesting thing for someone. Uh, a low cost way to uh, try to see if you get any results uh, for erectile dysfunction. It works. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to ask you. you know, experience, patient, you've, you've had a lot of people tell you. I'm That's say. right. So, That's exactly right. Um, I do want to make one comment though, getting back to um, when I said, are there any risk? Uh, you said no. So I appreciate and, and trust your answer. What I would like to say though, to that is though, there's no, uh, a proof of harm, uh, but absence of proof isn't proof of absence. So that just correct. To, just to state it out there as a physician and scientist, we're not saying that it couldn't be harmful. We just don't have any evidence that it is. And in my mind, when you have something that devastating like uh, dementia or a stroke or a brain problem like that, if there's just no reported adverse events and it doesn't make sense physiologically, there would be problems from it. Um, and the upside is what it is, then it's probably worth a trial. Uh, well, yeah, and I uh, to, to support what you're saying, I mean, I may have been a little quick in my answer, but as we are reaching a stage today of the development of this and the acceptance of this, that it is becoming ever more important Mm. to do more studies to understand what limitations there really might be as we get deep into this, into this type of situation. There's a risk benefit analysis. You have someone that uh, just wants to get a little bit smarter. Uh, I don't know if I would, even though there's no science or any suggestion that it'd be harmful, I don't know if I would recommend to them, yeah, try to raise your IQ points, your IQ a couple points, because maybe there is some risk. But if you're talking about something, someone who has a progressive disease like Alzheimer's and dementia or a stroke, in those cases, the upside is so big that it does seem like it's something that would be Well, that's an trial. area that the, the TMS units and, and other PMF units are being used for ADHD. Mm-hmm. If we can calm down the, the brain, can they become smarter because they pay attention and and better uh, educate themselves if we can help control those situations. Yeah, so this has been incredible. Uh, I want to thank you so much for coming on. How can people reach you if they have more questions or if they just want to learn more about MagnaWave? Well, certainly uh, the company is MagnaWave. Our website is MagnaWavePEMF.com. And there's chat box on there. There's phone numbers on there. If people want to call, I'm always available personally. If someone has questions for me when I can be, I do a lot lot of traveling and I am doing things, but I'm certainly available. We have full-time training people on staff that will answer questions, either email or Facebook or wherever it may be, or call the office. We have training people there daily that can answer those questions without talking to a salesperson. Mm-hmm. You don't have to talk to a salesperson. You can talk to Aaron in training or her assistant, and, and they will answer your questions and that very smoothly and without any interaction for equipment, if you will. Perfect. And if anyone has questions for us on this, they want to reach out to us, follow us on Instagram at wildhealthmd. Ask us some questions on there just so everybody can see. It'd be great education for everybody. Or you can contact us through wildhealthpodcast.com as well if you have some questions and want to connect. So, Pat, thanks so much. I really appreciate it. Thank you very much. I've enjoyed it very much. All right. Thanks. Bye. We hope you like listening to the podcast as much as we like making it. If you think it's valuable, share with somebody. Send to someone you think would really benefit and leave us a five-star review in iTunes. Those reviews really, really help us out. 
Find us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram at WildHealthMD. If you didn't like, well, why are you still listening? Email us and let us know what we can do better. But the best way you can thank us for our time is to leave a review and share. Until next time.